All right, welcome back to Conscious Sedation. I am Tasha. I'm Ryan. <laughs> it's Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> and this is shift number eight. So, yeah, we've been at this for a little bit. Now we're about to be in double digits. I just thought about that. That's just like, oh, yeah. Shift number eight. So um, let's get into some hashtags from last week where we talked about organ donation. It was all morbid and dark. It's pretty sad. It was sad, but there's a bright side to it. It's a necessary conversation, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tiff, you want to go first or can anybody steal off your brain? <laughs> You know what? Uh, We're going to have to cut this down because ain't nobody stealing from her. You <laughs> did steal that a couple times. But anyway, uh, my hashtag was just, uh, I made it myself. So it is tell them what you want. And so that just pertains to us just telling you to be mindful and tell your family, friends, kind of your wishes. And um, that way they can know what to do. Mm-hmm. All right. I can appreciate you making it up. I, I did make it up. Was a good one. All right. Yeah. Couldn't steal that one, could you? <laughs> <laughs> if I tried really hard, I could have. You couldn't have. I have hashtag pheromones. Pheromones. If you are. Pheromones. And I also have um, hashtag they. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads right into my hashtag uh, pimpinanies. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Because somebody hey. was showing their true colors around here on the podcast. Messing oh, hey. around got comfortable. <laughs> and talking about all the men they got. Let's you know, see here. Now. His hashtag. Hey. They. <laughs> all right. All right. And it's time for the mindful right. moment yet? Yeah. Oh, or or whoa. what? Whoa. Is it time? <laughs> Just all slow down. Yes. And have a mindful moment. Let's have a mindful <laughs> moment. Even though Ryan rushed us to it, it is time for the mindful moment, y'all. You might get out of jail free card right, <laughs> right there. <laughs> right. So, let me go ahead and put the kibosh on this. So what's next? Yeah. All right. So yeah, um, I'll say this week, I am mindful of an upcoming vacation. Which another, didn't I just come back? Another. I was like, did you just go somewhere? I mean, don't hate the play, I hate the game. So I will be going to Miami, spending some time with my Skies the Limit Travel Club crew. And then I'll be going to Atlanta, spend some time with my boo. And then I'll be back and on it. Oh, not the. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is giving me the dead face. Um, she had her eyeballs rolled up into the top of her head, and it was very scary. It but was not. I'm just mindful of um, time away and being able to kind of unplug, which will be really good for me because I feel like I've been having this kind of nasal throat cold ick hanging around for the last like week or so, and I'm ready to get rid of it. So, yeah. That's my mindful moment. That's always a good one. Mm-hmm. What about you? I actually am mindful of time with family. Um, um, for Easter, we all of my family who lives in Indianapolis, we all got together at my aunt's house. And so mindful of that. And then I am mindful that just my intermediate family, my mom and my sister and me and the girls, we kind of have a standing date. It's funny. Um, a couple of months ago, maybe toward the end of last year, we had gone to my mom's house on Friday 
ordered dinner or cooked dinner or whatever over there and maybe we did that twice in a row and so one of my daughters was like we I was talking to, around Thanksgiving I was talking to the girls about um, traditions family traditions and how we need to start kind of starting our own family traditions and doing little things and so she said I have we do have a family tradition mm-hmm. it's going to Nanu's house every Friday and at first I was like okay listen we are not <laughs> going over there every single Friday and lo and behold for about the past three months we have or long dang it's April now so mm-hmm. Gosh, probably since around Thanksgiving last year, we've been going over there almost every single Friday, having our dinner, and so um, really spending time together, and I am just really mindful of that, because it's something that a lot of people wish they had, and Mm -hmm. they don't have, and I got it, Mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm thankful for that. Now I'm mindful of the Fridays you gave up so we could record. Some Fridays I did give up. Yes, I did. Yeah. Tip, what about you? Um, my mindful moment is I miss home. Uh, I miss Kansas sometimes, mm-hmm. a lot of the times. So, uh, this month, since it's May now, um, I get to go home. Well, we don't get to go home, but we get to meet up with my family and my sister at the end of the month. So that'll be good. Nice. Yeah. You're going to Kansas? No, we're actually meeting in, uh, Oklahoma, which is random, but they're... <laughs> Doing like the uh, Lion King, the Broadway uh-huh. there, so okay. we'll, we'll all see that there. Cool. I so enjoy that play. It is so everything. It is. Yeah, we actually saw it on Broadway when we went yeah. to New York, so yeah, it was amazing. It is still really. I could mm-hmm. see it again. I, I didn't could see too. it in New York. I saw it in Chicago. Okay, but it was like the singing and that. You know, of course, I'm thinking of the one part. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes, it's an amazing play. I'm excited to see. It yes. is. You can see it over and over again. Yes. You have to tell us about it. Oh, I shall. I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen the little clips where the cast are like in the airport? Yeah. Or on the bus station. Yes. They just yes. break out singing. Yes. Oh, those are Loved so... I could it. like cry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an artsy person. And so that just really feeds my soul. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it just does something to me. So you will you love it, see. Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you will love, love it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do need to go home, though. I miss home, so. I can see that. I mean, being away from home, probably for the first time in your life. (laughs) Being away this this long and living here and this that far. Yeah. So visit visit your peeps, like you guys are saying Mm -hmm. you're doing. Mm -hmm. Hang out with them. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, well, it is time for our inbox report. Please send your emails and questions to getsedated705 at gmail.com. This week we have a loaded question because someone really likes to give us those. (laughs) No, you're right. They do. Someone really likes to. Yeah. Um, get us to thinking and get deep, deep, deep into our thoughts as nurses and pick our brains, which is cool. Um, so, yeah, Tiff, what you got? All right. So this one is a, kind of a almost three part question. So the first part of the question is, has a white patient ever said to you or maybe given you the inclination that they would like a white nurse? Uh, the second part as has a black person kind of done the same thing we're wanting a white nurse and not you and then um, it says kind of the first question has to do with racism and then the second question has to do with kind of like a Django uh, spirit <laughs> they said everyone has the right to choose who they want for a type of service but when you know the basis is around these types of 
acts, what is your mechanism to handle this personally? Whew. All right. Yeah, that was a lot. Um, so I'll go. First part of the question was, has anybody white ever given me the inclination that they wanted um, a white nurse or physician? And my answer to that is no. Um, when I was in school at Purdue, which understand I grew up in Gary, Indiana, so it's 99.9% black. Chocolate City. It is <laughs> Chocolate City. Um, it's like the east side of Chicago. That's <laughs> what we call it. Um, and I went my first two years at Tennessee State University, so I went from this incubated, like heavily populated black environment to a, a historically black university, which is Tennessee State University. And I went from there to Purdue University, which was the first time that I was in a predominantly white space most of the time. Um, so I did work as a care tech at one of the hospitals and legit was the first time I was called colored. And I probably was called colored like twice in a very short span. So the first time it knocked me way off my square. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what? Like... <laughs> It is early 90s, no, late 90s, early 2000s. Don't do that. Early 90s. You Late late 90s, early 2000s. And this lady, um, I can laugh about it now, but at the time I was like really annoyed with her. First of all, she was calling me Letitia, which is a big, like great on my nerve kind (laughs) of thing because my name is literally spelled the way it is to be said there's no other way to spell my name to get the pronunciation that it is and so she was screaming Letitia Letitia you know like and she was screaming this her room was down the hall I was at the nurse's station and I was on a cardiac floor so I'm like why is she screaming everybody's on telemetry you know whatever Mm -hmm. and so then she goes where's that colored nurse and I was just like Okay, she's talking to me because <laughs> I'm the only black person on staff at the time. But I went in and got her all the way together and said, first of all, my name is Latasha. That's number one. Uh, number two, I am black. I am not colored, whatever you want to call it. And that might have been an appropriate term when you were being raised, but that's no longer an appropriate term. And that is very offensive and kind of went through the same situation. The second time it happened, it was a family member who called, he didn't call me colored specifically. He was talking about black people and used that terminology and he was pretty young. And so again, it was like another layer of like, damn, y'all people live under a rock or something like that. No, they just pass that stuff down. Exactly. But at the time, again, I had not been exposed to anything like this. Mm -hmm. And I thought in my naive mind, people don't use these terms anymore and they know that that's not appropriate, but... I had no clue until then. And of course, I was just like, okay, that's not an appropriate term. And, you know, I would like to be referred to as black or African-American because that is the acceptable term to use right now. So I never had anybody black or white um, refuse me um, on basis of race at all. So never had that situation happen. I will. I have never had a white patient um, refuse, you know, for me to be their nurse and request a white nurse. But I have had white doctors look at me and say, "Oh, hey, are you the new tech? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you the new CNA? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mind you, nurses wear a big red or green, depending on your state or your facility, tag that says RN, <laughs> registered nurse or LPN or whatever your, um, certi- you know, your registration or your license is. Um, and so I have experienced that, which is to me not demeaning because you're not not demeaning because of the position you assume that I am, but because you look at me as a black woman and assume that I couldn't possibly be the nurse. Mm-hmm. Um on the other hand, I find that um, black patients seem to actually do the opposite of refusing me and requesting a white nurse. Most of the time, black patients look at me as, you know, like, oh, thank God, like, you know, a black nurse, somebody who's going to maybe understand my culture or understand me or take better care of me because we come from a similar place. Or understand the way I talk. I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people feel really intimidated when a white doctor or whoever walks into the room and they maybe don't understand. They're a lot more um, intimidated. They don't want to ask those questions and things like that because they don't want to seem unintelligent. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so I, I, that's one of my favorite things about being a black nurse and definitely one of my favorite things about being one of the only black lactation consultants in our local area is that I get to talk to moms and families and support them in a way that they can understand. I never, I make it a point, no matter how much education I ever receive, no matter how many certifications or degrees or whatever, when I walk into a room or when I'm talking to a patient or to a family, I am on their level. I really try to reach people where they are. Now, if you are a high level thinker, if you are a super educated person, of course, I'm going to talk to you that way. But most of the demographic of people that I serve um, aren't. Some of them are not high school graduates. Some of them, you know, dropped out or, you know, maybe they just only have their high school diploma. And so I come to them and speak a language that they can understand. Um, I'm a homegirl. I'm from whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm from Gary. I'm from around the way. I'm, you know, even when I was here, like I'm just I'm low key. I don't ever try to be high level or a super professional with my white coat and stethoscope. Like, I'm nothing on that. So, I have not experienced that from black people. Thank goodness. Uh, so, I guess I will be the different one. I've had both situations. Oh, wow. Um, I've had um, the white people that it has been that have requested uh, a white nurse. Um, a lot of them have been blatant racist with like the swastikas and things like that tattooed on them. So that was something that whatever it was already known. Um, and then the black lady that I distinctly remember her because she called me a nigger bee what? and she threw shit at me. Are you and kidding? So, uh, yeah, so that happened too. Um, but there's crazy. there's been multiple situations um, where people have said like of course little older people will say call you colored or my little colored person or like just ignorant mm-hmm. stuff and a lot of times it's just something that I just I mean clearly if you're 80 to 90 years old that's probably that all was appropriate you, yeah then. that was appropriate mm-hmm. then that's all you remember. Or if you have dementia or some type of psychosis, I get it. But the funny thing to me is like when the family will apologize for these people and say that they didn't mean that. Because to me, like, they meant it more than you thought. Yeah, I was like, that's how they truly feel about these things. And you're embarrassing your family, but I think that's exactly what they meant to say. 
So, yeah, to answer your question, it has happened. Uh, mechanisms to deal with it? Just let that shit go. Because, <laughs> like, really, there's nothing... You can't change how that person feels about you. And it doesn't really matter here to there. Now, if you go downhill and trust and believe, I won't come in there. Mm-hmm. But um, somebody else is more than welcome. But it's one of those things where it's just... You can't it's really, not worth the stress yeah, like, or the emotional response. It's not worth it. You can't let it get to you. Mm-mm. For me, I almost see it as a gift. Like, if they're going to be open about refusing you, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because why put us all in this uncomfortable situation and you know you feel like that? And like what you were saying, Ryan, I feel like as a black nurse, I notice more of what I call microaggressions, which is that like a doctor walking in and thinking that you're the tech mm-hmm. or the housekeeper mm-hmm. or the registrar, yeah. any other position right? other than a registered nurse or a physician. Um, and some patients will do that, too. Um, and I've seen it in ways that they like give you praise for things that you're supposed to know how to do as a nurse, you know, and you, you're like. This is my job. Like, why are you praising me for um, being a competent nurse? Mm -hmm. And they don't perceive that as being a microaggression. But the fact that you underestimated me and thought, oh, my God, look at the way you started that IV. Mm -hmm. You're like, I've been doing this for 15 years. Right. Which is not a big chunk of time relative to some other people in the field. But... Surely you should know By how to start year, IV. Say one. That's like <laughs> basic nursing exactly. skills. <laughs> exactly. So stuff like that can be frustrating. And I'm like you, Ryan. Like I have never had a a patient um, request a white nurse or whatever, black or otherwise. But I do find that I get more attitude sometimes from black patients. And then as soon as someone else walks into the room who is not black, they they flip. You know, like. I had a mom once who was completely belligerent with the staff, um, like all day, was questioning everything, which I'm, I don't care, you know, question whatever it is you want to question. I know that, that I'm giving um, top-notch, five-star care. And so when people want to question, that doesn't bother me or intimidate me in any way. But she was just being really um, difficult all night. And it wasn't even the patient. It was the patient's mom. Mm-hmm. And the patient was good and grown. She was like early 20s, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, in a position to advocate and speak for herself and things like that. And so throughout the night, there was like this whole blow up with the patient's dad. He had come up to the hospital mm-hmm. and apparently the two of them didn't get along. Security had to be <laughs> called and all of this stuff. And so this patient's mom was just not a pleasant person all night. When I tell you once the doctor walked in in the morning to deliver her this lady was a new person and i'm like you have given me nothing but a hard time all night long and i've been nothing but nice and taken excellent care of your child and grandchild all night long and now you are thankful and want to take a picture and i was like who are you right i was like what have you done with the lady who was here but yeah, I mean, I've seen patients like or visitors completely flip the script and, you know, like I said, I think it's just some kind of 
on the underneath the surface. They don't know why they're behaving this way or why they behave that way towards us. I think I have an understanding about why that happens, but I've not had anybody like outwardly call me out of my name like the n-word um or refuse to have me take care of them on basis of race and you know for physicians who want to make that mistake about are you the tech they do not make it more than once that's about it <laughs> yeah so did we answer that i know it was like, was like it was that a was time to it i was like we all answered it yeah that was the gist of it yeah. i mean it happens and you just kind of learn how to deal with it. Right. And people do have the right to choose. I don't I don't take that personally, even though it is personal. <laughs> you know, hey, I don't want you. But I feel like I might refuse a smoker. You know what I'm saying? Because if they come in smelling like smoke or smelling like they have a cigarette in their pocket, I don't want to be around it. I mean, it's not a racism or anything like that, but they do have the right to choose refuse or whatever it is all right so that's going to wrap up our inbox report for this shift please send your questions comments or what have you to get sedated 705 at gmail.com and we will read it on air i mean if it's not like a hundred of them we will <laughs> we'll be sure to answer your question on air um so yeah this week, what we're going to be talking about is spirituality versus modern medicine. And um, it comes up a lot in your nursing care and when you're taking care of certain patients who hold their religious beliefs or core values um, near and dear. So we're going to start the conversation off by talking about what does spirituality mean to you? So, Tiff, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um... <laughs> Spirituality to me is kind of just more, it's to each person kind of individualized. Um, I feel that it gets more kind of convoluted when you have kind of big, big groups of people. Um, I think spirituality is something more personal to each person. And then kind of religion is kind of the thing that kind of separates everyone. Mm -hmm. So... That's my quick and dirty. <laughs> yeah, I agree that um, religion and spirituality are two totally different things. I think um, a lot of people confuse the two. I think that religion, you do something, is something that you do religiously, something that you always do, a pattern, a system of doing things. Um, I think spirituality is the way that we relate to ourselves, the way that we relate to God, and the way that we relate to each other. And I, that's... A very basic way of putting it but that's kind of what I think spirituality is um, for me spirituality I also believe that spirituality and organized religion are night and day um, my spirituality or what I believe it is is a set of beliefs that I have um, based on the idea that there is a greater power and control mm -hmm. Um, and also the ability to connect with what that is and um, have an intuition or listen to that still small voice, what people like to call. And <clears throat> I've never, ever believed that that was something that I had to get from a building, which is, you know, like what you said, 
Ryan, as it pertains to religion, I think there's a lot of ritual that go into that. Um, and so like the, the rituals and the ability to separate based on what your beliefs and things like that are totally stray away from what spirituality is to me. And I also believe that spirituality is um, a core belief in connection with other people, knowing that we all bring something different to the table for a greater purpose. Um, and so, yeah, that's my idea. Have you guys ever had any questions in your spirituality at work or had like through your nursing career, has your definition, your relationship with God or your creator, has that changed at all? Yes. Um, I feel like I started, well, when I started being a nurse, I was like, like 22. Um, so kind of mostly what I knew of like religion at that time was just kind of the things that I had been raised um, with the knowledge of. So we grew up going to church like every Sunday, those types of things. Um, but jumping right into the ICU at that setting, I did saw a lot more death um then I guess like the average 22 year old um so I started to have a lot more questions about why kind of certain things happened the way that they did and um there weren't really any answers a lot of people would just kind of tell me that you know God is in control or that you know that was his will but a lot of kind of the younger patients that I saw die um things like that I just to me, I was just like, God can't be willing this to happen. Like, why, why is this happening? Um, so it just kind of made me kind of question the things that I grew up believing um, and kind of some other things were happening, like at the church that I grew up when I was younger. And it was just like a whole lot of discombobulation. Um, so kind of right now I'm at a place where I think that I just kind of strive to be kind of as close to God as I can be and to try to be um kind of not as good of a person but just try to do right um and to just try to help others as much as I can and I feel like I kind of focus on those things more than I did when I was in church so I'm just kind of trying to kind of sort things out for myself at this point um without just doing what everyone thinks that I'm supposed to do so I've not had any experiences that tested my faith or caused me to question or nothing ever challenged my spirituality I've been in some tough situations um supported families through tough losses um, some families loss after loss uh, in terms of losing a baby, losing a child. But I fully believe that people fail. I don't believe that God ever does. And I believe that um, 
I really do believe that everything is in divine order. And so even though we may not understand things, we may not know a purpose for somebody being really young and dying or a family who I believe is truly deserving of children. They really want children. There would be wonderful parents according to what my standards of parenting are. And they just can't seem to conceive or they conceive and then, you know, lose baby after baby. Um, I I, that's never caused me to question my faith. Not in nursing, not from a nursing perspective. It just never has. I don't, um, again, I just really believe that all things are in divine order. And I think that every person has a purpose. And so even when I look at people who are very young, who pass, you know, according to my standards before their time, I believe that when there's nothing left for you to learn or once you've fulfilled your purpose, your time is up and everybody's purpose is is not the same. All of us are not going to get to be 98 and die of natural causes. Um, sometimes maybe our purpose to be born is to bring something to our parents or to bring something to a friend we meet 20 years later. And once that purpose is fulfilled, then you've you've, you've reached your destiny like you have arrived and so I have not had any situations that caused me to, um, I, I kind of grew up like you, Tiffany, grew up in church, Sunday school, church, after, you know, evening service, vacation Bible school, very much so. But I quickly learned once I became an adult that <laughs> those things that I did religiously had absolutely nothing to do with my relationship with my creator. Um, and so, um, I don't know. I, I just I'm thankful, I guess, that I haven't had any experiences that that have caused me to question my spirituality or my faith. I haven't. Um, for me, nothing that has happened within the hospital caused me to question my faith or spirituality. Um, whenever I had questions about my faith and spirituality, it had everything to do with the church and religion yes um and being in church and witnessing certain things that i was just like huh you know especially if we're supposedly in the christian faith basing our life off biblical principles and things that i saw in direct contradiction of that um as becoming a nurse i never thought that those two things would intersect for me um i always felt like nursing was my purpose my calling um, and it was never my intention to separate any of like my own core values, beliefs or anything like that going to work because, you know, like we learned in a few shifts ago, nursing is hard work. Um, and you do have to kind of bring that stuff with you to actually be able to care for people. But it strengthened being in nursing showed me God in a different way. Um, it kind of blew off all of the the definitions that I had been taught up to that point of what God was, who he was, um, what he manifested, he or she manifested as in different people and how um, he would manifest in my life to me personally and work through me. And so that's where I gained a greater appreciation for my own spirituality and faith and um, kind of lost an appreciation for the building or church because like Ryan said people do feel God doesn't and um, anytime I was looking to the church for anything um, there were times where they just fell short you know at, at very critical and pivotal points in my life 
But I can remember specifically a case, and this will always stick out in my mind. Um, I was a new nurse, maybe like under five years in, maybe three. And I work at the county hospital. And for whatever reason, people love to hear about drug-addicted babies and, you know, oh, that's what you see, and crackhead mamas and this whole propaganda or whatever that's been pushed. Well, there was one night that I did get a mom who was a drug abuser and she was um, not ready to deliver, maybe like 35 weeks, so close to the end of her pregnancy. Um, and her baby's tracing, which we trace the babies on the monitor to see what their um, heart rate and all that stuff looks like, her tracing was perfect. Like this baby was classically reactive on the monitor. And for what we think about drugs, it is a destroying sort of thing to the brain and all this stuff. Well, these monitors kind of give us a picture of the infant's well-being in utero. Mm -hmm. Well, that same night, I also got a patient who, okay, so let me back up. This patient, like I said, was a drug abuser. So she didn't go to clinic. She barely knew she was pregnant. She hadn't had any prenatal care. She had used shortly before she came in. Okay, so she wasn't taking care of herself, let alone her pregnant, you know, baby, her, her body. Um, and so that very same night, I got a patient who um, had an intrauterine fetal demise, meaning her baby had died in utero. And this was her first baby, and she was very young, maybe like 21, 22, something like that. And she had, quote unquote, did everything right. Mm -hmm. And so she went to clinic and she, you know what I'm saying? I'd felt the baby move the day before. I'd just gone to clinic and all of these different things. And yet her baby was dead. And so it, that was like a huge defining moment for me within my career as it pertains to God and my faith and being able to have these questions like you, Tiffany, about like what kind of God would allow something like this mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like this baby who was will be born drug addicted is perfect and then this mom who did everything right has a dead baby mm -hmm. and is heartbroken you know what i'm saying and for me to have this as an assignment imagine what that is like for me to go into one room and want to punch this mother in the face who is high off her ass she doesn't even know where she is you know, and then this other one who is completely distraught along with her family. Um, but there's never any answers in situations like that, which strengthens my faith and allows me to not need any. Because I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow, let alone anybody else. I don't know the situation that 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 baby that had died would have gone into. I don't know what this drug addicted baby is going to do. This baby may cure cancer. I have no idea. And so um, for me, it allows me to have a lot more fluid thought about certain situations as opposed to um, placing my demands, my religious demands and whatever on any kind of situation that I go into. I can go into it with a more open mind. Um, and be supportive of my patient, like as a nurse at the bedside. I don't have to worry about what their denomination is or religious affi affiliation. Um, of course, I like to respect that. But for me personally, I've seen a lot and done a lot, you know. So I think to do what we do, you have to have a strong sense of faith or it really will mess with you. Like mentally, you'll take a lot of it home. So... 
Yeah. So, um, have you guys ever been in situations where your beliefs counteracted with the patients? And maybe to the point where it affected patient care? I have an ex I, I am um culturally sensitive <laughs> and very culturally aware and e in a case where I'm not I always ask what does this mean or why are you eating this food or you know what's what's going on and so um because I'm culturally sensitive that allows me to respect somebody else's differing religion or you know spirituality that may be different from mine um I have several times come into a room where a patient may be praying um, and they sometimes praying in a language that I don't even understand. And I just stand still until they're finished with their process. And then I go about my nursing care um, out of respect to, to what you know their situation is. I have not had any situations where it affected my nursing care because I'm able to respect people's differences. And I think that, too, is something that is... A requirement for you as a nurse if you're gonna be a nurse and take care of people everybody is different and especially in the country that we live in where we are a melting pot I mean at people from come here from all over the world with different ideals and different um, cultures and spirituality and religions you have to find a place where you can at least be respectful even if you don't understand it if you disagree with it you have to at least respect it mm-hmm I feel like that, too. Um, what about you, too? Um, I definitely agree. Um, I know that there are some religious practices that always will kind of catch you off guard. Um, I think, I can't remember, I think it was a Wiccan family. Mm. And um, they like to cast spells mm -hmm. and do that um, type of thing. And it's, it's nothing that, um, like, I'm like, hey, that's what works for you you do that but like let me know what you're doing because they had gotten mad at somebody in the staff and so mm. they wanted to Ooh. cast a spell on that person oh, so really? it's like how did you know about that did they tell you <laughs> she was very open um but she was like we don't like so-and-so and so they had their um I can't remember. Sorry, they were this casting makes me. A spell but on yeah, somebody? they didn't. They were praying like against oh, that person, no. and so it's wow. like these types of things. You know, you kind of just want to be aware of. Like yes. somebody is like trying to harm you, harm you. But so I mean, there's stuff like that that happens. But no, I've never like been like ah, oh, I don't want to take care of this person because they're X, Y, or Z. Um, I've always been taught, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've always been taught that um, a spell or a curse or voodoo or whatever can only affect you if you believe in it. If you, too, mm. buy into it as a thing that can work, that's the only way that it could affect you. I don't know. fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like if you believe in it, then it could affect you. But if you don't, I mean, because... I'm sure people wish things on people terribly all, all the day time. long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if that's true. Did, did you have any discussion with them I about... I mean, because I, I was just, like, curious because I'm like, well, I've not ever encountered anybody with this particular religion, but they they said there were, like, different spell, like levels to their okay. spells that they cast and different magics that they called on and all types of stuff like this. And it, it was a very spooky room. Mm -hmm. um, like, as soon as you went from... 
like the nursing unit into her a room it was kind of like a weird like your hair like like it the goosebumps kind of like that wow. was just wow. so i mean i knew they had something that mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. hey i so i stayed on her good side but <laughs> respect <laughs> right? i was like you don't have right. to understand i was like angry <laughs> Respect. We ain't got no problem. <laughs> I was like, we're good. So there's wow. weird stuff like that. But I mean, as I feel like as long like what we're saying, as long as you respect someone, there's nothing that should interfere with their care at all. I mean, as long as you're respectful of what they do, you you don't disrespect them or be like, mm, why are you doing that? That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Or most people will, or they'll, they know that you're curious. They'll talk to you about it, explain it. They don't have any problems with that. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true have I walked in the room of patients who share my religious background mm-hmm. and they may be praying. I've had two situations. I've had situations where they say, hey, do you mind if we pray? Um, sure. I have, you can. I never have a problem with you praying. I'm going to stand here. I may be doing my charting or whatever quietly while you're over here. And I have also had situations where they have asked me to pray with them. At me as a, a caregiver, mm-hmm. they want to pray a covering over me. I have no problem with that either. Remember that know? patient that blessed you on your whole generation? Yes. <laughs> hey. And I was just kind of like standing there like... So, so I can't get a blessing. You get no blessings. <laughs> so, are you, you not? You're not gonna bless. Oh no, just me. Right. Just, just me. Just one way. Definitely, but you know, you earned those blessings. I did earn those blessings that night. All over the place, and I just didn't have the patience for it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? That's your patient. Um, <laughs> if you need anything, just you got my number. But I'm gonna check on over here. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was funny. But I've had patients like that too, who share your religion, and I don't think I go out of my way to you know be involved, if especially if I know we share, but. Definitely respectful. Um, I've had patients who are Muslim and they are, you know, put their prayer cloth down or whatever and, you know, facing whatever East or, you know, West, whatever their um, ritual is with prayer and stuff like that. Um, I think it's important, too, as a nurse to try and familiarize yourself and not just guess, do ask questions, because I want to say one time there was a situation where the nurse kept going in and like picking up. Because it was like a chucks or a sheet or something like that on the floor um, where this person, this husband was praying and she kept picking it up and throwing it in the linen and picking it up and throwing it in the linen because it was just this, you know, what she saw as a dirty piece of linen on the floor. And it's a fall risk. It's a fall hazard. (laughs) Definitely that too, as opposed to asking like, is this down for a reason or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, So, yeah, I don't think I've had any personal like patient belief conflicts um i feel like as the nurse i completely step out of what my personal beliefs are as it pertains to religion um in terms of your care you know i am there as a conduit as um, someone to give you information so to speak to provide care and this and that not to impose and I think um, there are situations where people impose their own beliefs or whatever, because as nurses or as any kind of caregiver, we also have the right to refuse certain stuff. And I feel like um, there's times, especially within our hospital, where people refuse. Um, and I kind of see it as like a selfish move, personally, I guess, because I serve 
my patients so wholeheartedly. You know, have you guys ever encountered that where you feel like your coworkers were just being, you know, religious and, you know, not really being good to their patients because of whatever choices they have perceived to be, you know, not in God's will or what have you? I think that's like a really, it's a really tricky thing because sometimes there'll be like a certain um, situation situational things like sometimes I get it like if we got like a young mom um there was a person that had lost uh their baby and then if you have like a staff member that's going through that same thing that makes sense but as far as when it's like a um the belief of the patient or something that the patient themselves like chooses to do I feel a little weird about that if you just refuse to take care of them because you're like I think that's wrong like Mm -hmm. I feel like that's I mean, yeah, I don't agree that this person shot the security guard, but they're they're still still a patient, patient. Mm -hmm. so someone has to care for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do do feel a way when certain stuff like that goes down. Now, for your personal sanity, if it's hard for you to take care of that person for the third day, by all means, switch assignments. Um, But if you're just like, no, I don't agree with that, I'm not going to take care of them, that I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to twist it just a little bit and talk about um, cultural sensitivity. And if I, I believe that it is impossible to adequately care for any group of people if you do not understand their culture. And so spirituality and culture and religion sometimes go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you serve a group of people, a lot of times hospitals or networks or communities, they, you know, they may be a community of people, or maybe we have an influx of immigrants of, of you know from a certain um, country or continent or whatever. You, it is your job, it is your due diligence to learn the cultures of the communities that you serve. And if you do not do that, um, to understand so that you can respect their culture then you are selfish. And that goes for nurses or doctors or whomever. I don't care who you are, registrar, anybody who's in the healthcare system. It is our job to understand the cultures of the people that we serve. So if you are in a place that serves predominantly Latina people or, you know, Latino people, you need to figure out their culture. You need to learn what things they may do to comfort themselves. What What is their spirituality? What are their most common religions so that you can serve them? Um, the same holds true for any other group of people. You know, we have a growing Burmese population here and it is our job that they're here. Learn them. Learn about the cultures that they have and the traditions that they may have. And so I think it is selfish if you don't. If you have people who are starting to come to your facility, people who you have to take care of, and you choose not to ask them, and you can learn from them, you don't have to take a class. You don't have to go to cultural sensitivity training or diversity Although training. Although a lot of people do need to go. You can ask your patient. Nobody can teach you about, mm-hmm. I can't, nobody can teach you more about me than me. Mm-hmm. Ask me why I do this. Ask, communicate with me about what I believe or what God I may serve or who I believe is the higher power or how I handle this situation when I'm grieving. Because cultures grieve differently. Some cultures um, believe different things about death and want the body to be cared 
for in a special way when a, a, their family member dies or I mean we need to be make ourselves aware of those things and so um I mean, I could talk about this all day because mm-hmm. equity is my thing, but um, we just really need to do a better job. Um, even America, I mean, there are Especially subcultures. America. There are <laughs> subcultures right here for, I mean, African American. I am so sick and tired of people looking at black people like we are white people junior. We are not. We have mm-hmm. our own thing. We have our own culture, our own beliefs, and anybody who is non-black who does not take it upon themselves to learn about black people. Um, Like you were talking about the language thing Mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, white doctors don't take the time to learn the language, whether it's slang or Ebonics or whatever. It is your due diligence to learn how the people who you serve speak and what they mean by what they say so that black people can be comfortable communicating with them because they may not always get a black nurse. They may not always get a black physician. And so y'all see, I'm hyping here about this. It makes me sick. Transfer. Exactly. Because if you're not communicating adequately, then the person on the receiving end is not getting what they need. Exactly. The patient is not getting what they need. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, I think that, and it's selfish if we don't. I think it takes a person who is very firm um, in their own spirituality and faith and rooted to be open enough to ask other people and not feel like somehow it is um, jeopardizing their own beliefs. Because I feel like a lot of times, especially in my hospital, um, like I said, I do labor and delivery. And there are times, and we spoke to this a little bit during the Planned Parenthood episode, where mom is diagnosed with um, something that's not compatible with life. Mm -hmm. And so she may make a decision to end this pregnancy, which, again, is not a decision that is reached lightly, I don't think, by anyone. Um, And even if they come in and they look fine, at the end of the day, they're still a patient and they need someone to be there for them and be compassionate. Well, there are nurses who work specifically in this area who refuse to take care of these types of patients. And I can't help but see it as selfish Mm -hmm. because I serve so wholeheartedly. It's crazy. Like, I don't believe that people should do drugs while they're pregnant. But that doesn't, I don't think that gives me the right to refuse every drug addicted mom that presents to my facility. Right. Or look at them sideways when they say they need their methadone. Give Bruh, them their damn methadone. You're not there for <laughs> exactly. that to impose what your beliefs are. I think you should check those at the door. You should do that. As anyway. it pertains to, you know, you're not causing harm to the patient. And that can happen mentally, physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, just being vacant when that patient really needs you to be present above anything. And I feel like it not only puts um, that patient in an awkward situation, but it puts the staff in an awkward situation when you have someone who um, repeatedly refuses to care for a type of patient, which may be a tough case. So then you're putting that on the same person, same person each and every time. Who will accept that patient. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, so do you have no compassion for your coworkers and their mental ability and capacity? No, because it's selfish selfish on multiple accounts. Right. But Mm -hmm. they see it as, you know, well, I'm holding firm to my beliefs. And I just, 
I can't wrap my brain around how that works, especially if you're a licensed registered nurse and you can go work at a Catholic hospital where they don't do these sorts of procedures and you never even have to think about it. Or not only that, what would Jesus do? If you want to hold so true to Jesus and that, you know, faith and how this goes against your religion, what would your, what would your master do? You know, if it's Jesus or Allah or whomever, what would they do? Which keeps me away from organized religion because I look at those people and I'm like, we can't serve the same God. We can't. It's literally, it's impossible for me to believe that you believe in the person that I believe in because the book that I read, Jesus was among the sick, the poor, the um, the murderers, the thieves. That's he exactly. sought them out. Uh-huh. Those are the people who need the most help, not the ones who are fixed. But this goes back to spirituality, and that's why my definition is what it is. It's the way I relate to people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it can be vastly different for each individual, Mm -hmm. even under an umbrella of religion or uh, organized religion or whatever. Spirituality is is so personal. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel like, too, um, my spirituality comes into play as it pertains to my integrity. When I'm caring to a patient, caring for a patient, I definitely always follow my peace in certain situations. There are times where you may not be comfortable with something and just saying, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that is something different than refusing care of a patient altogether or um, going not the extra mile, but just taking it a step further and sitting in what your spirituality or definition is in that moment and um like really sitting in that I think your patients feel it your passion and all that a whole lot more than if you're just like staunch and dry so it definitely does come into play a lot I didn't think (laughs) my own convictions would come into play as becoming a nurse probably because I knew I wanted to be a nurse really really young Um, but I think when you practice in your passion you can't help but have that kinetic connection you know, to what it is you're doing and see it as not just a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I always say nursing chose me. And so I remember being at our pinning ceremony and um, I didn't think anything of it. Whatever. I was just done. Nursing is done. I was over. <laughs> but we actually had a hand blessing ceremony. Did you guys, did they bless Mm-mm. your hands? Mm-mm. So we did. And so I was like... <laughs> bubbling over. I didn't know that we were going to have a hand. I didn't know that my hands were going to be blessed. And I mean, she just said a simple, you know, your hands are blessed to heal and, you know, something very simple. It wasn't like a long drawn out thing. Um, But I just was bubbling over like boohoo sobbing legit because to me that like made everything full circle because I again heart work Mm -hmm. the work that we do is heart work and the fact that I feel like nursing chose me um and then to have my hands blessed I can remember times where I legit um tapped into that my hands being blessed you know I always and I really do feel like um being a nurse for me is ministry um, being a lactation consultant and, and it's a just it's ministry for me it's it's part of what I am called to do and so I tap into that all the time I always say you know I like you I didn't think that I'm thinking mm-hmm. this is a ca- career path mm-hmm. I didn't think when I was in nursing school that this was ministry it wasn't for me it was some it was I knew I it chose me mm-hmm. but I hadn't drawn those those that connection that it was 
um, part of my my life's work, part of my my purpose. And so I just it's crazy. Like sometimes I just really do. I, I call on that like my hands are blessed mm-hmm. to do what I do. And that's it's great. It's like kind of amazing. To be, I think people really take nursing for granted, you know, like it is something that is so special. You touch people's lives layers deep, layers deep. If you allow yourself. Yeah. If, if you, you allow yourself that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's see. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where I should add in here. Um, hmm. I guess the trickiest thing with nursing um, is it allows you to reach so many different types of people um, that I don't feel like the general public always gets to deal with. So um, you get to interact with people. And like Ryan's saying, you get to be a part of the healing process, Um, whether you get to see them totally better or not. um, It's kind of one of the hard things about working in the ICU. You don't always get to see them get better. So it's definitely one of those things where you have to take take for granted those patients that do get to come back to the unit and um, mm-hmm. walk back to the unit and they're doing fine and you get to cherish those moments a little bit closer because you're like, ah, we were a part of, mm-hmm. you know, making sure this person got back home, things like that. Um, I don't know. As far as when I went into nursing school, did I know that... Um, it would affect me in this way? No. Um, you, I could think you're just kind of naive a little bit to some of the uh, harder parts of nursing. I don't think um, nursing school really truly prepares you for some of those, some of those interactions and how they will affect you. Um, but I know in probably later episodes we'll kind of get into that part of like the self care part and. Um, as a nurse being able to know when like kind of you've reached your limit and you need to you know back away for a while for your own personal personal wealth and well-being but that's what I've got to add Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I feel like too another thing that ties into my own spirituality I never um take for granted that I'm getting this person at their most vulnerable moment most of the time and so they are afraid. Um, a lot of times they are in pain. Um, they feel like they have lost control or have no control over what's going on. Even though I'm in labor and delivery and most of the time I have a happy outcome, you know, I'm still cognizant of the fact that in that moment, um, I have their whole lives in my hand and their babies. And so I, I, I hold that really near and dear. I have a, a lot of respect for those sorts of moments and try to treat it with a lot of respect out of like my own, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Convictions, Mm -hmm. which comes directly from, you know, my spirituality and um, following my peace and knowing that in this moment, I'm exactly where I should be doing exactly what I should do. And, you know, all is right with the world or whatever. And the the impact that I'm going to have is going to be grave in this person's life and that can be good or bad and so um, I have that choice and make that choice in the moment so 
Yeah. So um, you want to talk about some alternative methods of treatment and um, how that can affect a hospital stay or, you know, in healthcare at all? I do. So um, complementary alternative medicine. Some people just choose to have alternative medicine and not necessarily complement modern or Western medicine. Um, it can be anything from um, foods. A lot of people believe that you heal from the inside out. I am one of those people. Um, mm -hmm. Tasha, you talked about that last shift about mm -hmm. how foods can definitely play a big part in reversing or preventing lots of disease processes. Um, so foods, herbs, a lot of people are into essential oils. They are very, very popular right now. Um, I recently saw a uh, article about how we need to be careful with essential oils though because in large quantity large doses they can kind of be harmful mm -hmm. and they yeah a lot of times herbs and essential oils can have drug interactions so if you're taking other medications you need to be very mindful of what um how those things can interact inside of your body yeah and um don't forget to tell your, your caregivers, caregivers yes. that you're taking these things because yes. sometimes they have interactions with the western medicines too absolutely we and sometimes we don't remember to ask like do you take any like herbs mm -hmm. or supplements and mm -hmm. things like that because that stuff can happen too i forgot about that mm -hmm. yes um i mean massage um people consider chiropractic uh, medicine holistic. to be alternative mm -hmm. and holistic medicine so lots of different things um meditation lots of moms opt not to get an epidural <laughs> I'm laughing because Tiffany and Tasha are like, not me. Um, but they, they, I, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <a no. laughs> they I, you know, lots of moms opt for um, to go the natural way. And sometimes that can, it can be a conflict. We were kind of talking before we started recording about how lots of doctors and nurses, um, especially in um, large hospitals or large facilities, they want to give you medicine. You come mm -hmm. to the hospital, they want to they want to fix it, but they want to fix it with medicine. And so sometimes it can be a conflict if you as a patient really don't want to opt for medicine. You want to try something natural and the hospital staff, they don't have anything natural to give you and they don't have any knowledge about any suggestions suggestions to give you to even try at home. And so sometimes that can be a conflict. Um for patients who choose a natural or a alternative medicine, kind of Eastern medicine, kind of a route. And so I know lots of states are really um, forward with, with complementary alternative medicine and different types of natural therapies. But some states are still lagging behind mm -hmm. um, in terms of that. And so just you have to kind of grow, know where you are and grow with your community, grow with your neighborhood. And you may be more advanced you may have a diet that you think is so far advanced or whatever but more most importantly i feel is that um don't down somebody else because of what they choose mm -hmm. or how they choose to cope or how they choose to medicate or what diet they choose to have um you know it's nice if you you know have a nice solid diet or you think that you eat better than somebody else or people shouldn't be doing this or doing that or whatever that's fine that's your personal choice but don't down somebody else for their choice and how they choose to cope or um, handle their health care mm -hmm. um, that goes for patients nurses doctors whomever mm -hmm. let let people have their own choice mm -hmm. i was just thinking that like you know when people do come with an alternative method or they bring that to the table to their physician and say hey can we try um i think it's important not to discourage what they have you know thought 
would better their care because a lot of times um, and studies have shown this Mm -hmm. that it's not always the medicine it's the person's mind absolutely that heals them and their faith and you know whatever it is they are believing and so once that belief system is broken down you in essence have stripped them of their healing factor and replaced it with something that may make them sicker and I think a lot of times patients do lean on their faith and things like that in certain situations. And, you know, um, healthcare professionals can be kind of callous about that. Like, you know, well, we're going to pray. And, you know, you may not have seen some radical recovery and you may not see it now, but it's not our job to strip them of that belief, hope, or whatever, especially in a tender situation. I agree. Um, I think, too. Um, in years coming because there's a big push towards mindfulness and um, wellness and what we consider now to be alternative forms of treatment, there's going to be a shift or I'm hoping there will be a shift. Um, And I'm starting to, which we've talked about me and my whole self-care certification and things like that. I'm, I'm learning different ways to manage my patient's pain and support them and whatever it is they want to do, as opposed to just saying, well, girl, you should get an epidural. You know, for patients who come in and they'd say, I don't want to get an epidural. This is what I do. I'm a better um, coach for them. I'm better equipped to support them in whatever it is they want to do. And then also educate their families because I do have that respect mm-hmm. kind of factor. And I'm in touch with my own spirituality and allowing them to, you know, live out theirs. It's not my decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this episode was kind of like episode, this shift. (laughs) It was like a whole nurse's note. Um, So we're going to forego nurse's notes, this shift, and move right on to our favorite part of the shift, which is... Language lag. (laughs) Sorry, I got an eye. Language lag. It's like... So, yeah, we're going to move to the language lack. Ryan, you want to talk about what this language lack is? Yeah, so I remember when I was little, um, (laughs) my sister had all these little bumps all over her body. Mm-hmm. And she was real itchy. Mm-hmm. And my mom, mm-hmm. I was like four. My mom was like, go hug your sister so y'all can both have his chicken pops and get it all over with. You're like, is that a cereal or no? <laughs> so are, are they going to pop? Are we supposed to pop them? Are they chicken pops? Yeah. Chicken pops. Y'all be messing that up. Y'all. Not chicken, chicken pops. pops. I'm mad you put your mom out there. I'm lying. She ain't say that. She'll have my I've met her. She is eloquent. My grandma was a school teacher, so yeah, grammar is huge in our house. I just tried to use it in a sentence. Mm, That part, the story was true, though. My Mm -hmm. mom was like, go get it from your sister. So I I can just have it one time. Mm -hmm. Just everybody gets it. Everybody all together. (laughs) One fell swoop, one kid at the church had it. What's terrible is I didn't even get it from her, though. Like, she made us play together, and everything. I didn't get it. I didn't get it until my neighbor got it. Never yeah, so then she still had it twice mm-hmm. in her house, but yeah. Now, this is old school vaccinations. Yeah, now people, kids don't get chicken pops. Y'all didn't see her face. She looked at me and was so serious. Kids. Now kids don't get chicken pops. They don't even get the chicken pops. <laughs> the chicken pops. 
chicken pox? Not the chicken, the chicken pox. <laughs> yeah. What is it? It is chicken pox. P-O-X. Chicken Not P O C K S even pox P O X like box <laughs> chicken pox chicken pox yeah I like chicken pox better pops it's just fun to say. it is fun. fun it was fun when you chicken just pops. said it people don't even get chicken pops no more <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't say that no more yeah we need to lay that one down chicken pox pox yeah pops. it's easy. And chicken kids pops. don't even get it because there's a vaccination for it. Like my girls all got the around two years old. Mm-hmm. They give them the varicella chicken, chicken pops. pops vaccination. Does that mean they don't get shingles later? It, that is the hope. I believe mm-hmm. that that is why they started to do that because chick, the shingles can be so much worse mm-hmm. than. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. That was a side note. They're nurses know for y'all. And it's all in the herpes family. Ugh. Yeah. Fun times. Herpes is a bad, bad family. Bruh. Hey, the chicken pops. What what you don't you don't want that resistance? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the resistance. Hey, that's a shift hey, too. <laughs> you don't want the resistance. <laughs> All right. What's happening next? see me at home when I'm listening to it I'd be like oh yeah. <laughs> drop it down hey, hey. Man, okay. next episode <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like somebody's drunk auntie I will be next I will episode. be that drunk auntie if somebody went and like hey y'all come oh on girl <laughs> definitely gonna be me getting it in all right, next shift, we'll be talking about Big Pharma and the business of healthcare. Don't, don't, don't. Yes, don't get right now. This is going to be so terrible. Yes. So we're going to be talking about that. Send your questions to getsadata705 at gmail.com. If you are on Twitter, you can follow us at getsadata705. On Instagram, we are conscious underscore sedation. And on Facebook, you can find us at conscious sedation. Look us right on up. Follow us. Rate us. Subscribe. Like us. Review us. Yeah. Give us some comments, reviews. And people who say that they have trouble finding our posts and things like that because of social media algorithms, you have to interact with the posts. So So you you can see it. Right. When you like the page, make sure you're following. And then when you see something come up in your news feed, you have to click like on it. And then that will tell your computer for your page that you want to see more from us. So. That is how you see us. Anybody got any closing remarks? So we out. We out. It's not. It's a no. All right, y'all. Peace out. Love you. Bye bye. Bye.